Bom bom bits, a bowl full of chips. Bom bom bits, with Chappy and Pip. Bom bom bits, two young brothers. Bom bom bits, talking college football. Bom bom bits, and life and humor. And some funny ass clips. So relax and unwind with a bowl full of chips. How will the West be won? Well, realistically, five teams will compete for the top spot, but even the other two actually do have an outside shot. Nebraska is the preseason darling of the division, as coach Scott Frost hopes to heat the horizon with a Heisman hopeful quarterback sparking an explosive offense. Northwestern is the Rodney Dangerfield of the division that don't get no respect, but unless they get better on offense, they won't get their division crown back either. Speaking of crowns, Wisconsin looks to reclaim their throne as injuries and inconsistent quarterback play kept the Badgers in a burrow last year. Perhaps Coach Chris can help resurrect them back in 2019. Iowa waved goodbye to a few close games that could have been wins last season, making mistakes and not closing in the clutch. Quarterback Nathan Stanley hopes to bring fame back to the farms, but will need a run game to grow to do so. Minnesota continues to row their boat and go for it under head coach P.J. Fleck. And they're getting close, but need more than a couple of oars to fend off the other pirates of the Big Ten West. More, you say? Purdue's got more. Rondell Moore, that is. But is it going to be enough to supplement a suspect group of running backs and offensive line? Remember, even Superman can't do it alone. And Illinois hopes to put some fight back in the fighting Illini, getting a lot of help from the transfer portal. But unless they can prove they can stop anyone this year, Lovey will be all out of love and the orange will be more blue. It's a wide open west. That spells wow. But how can one of these teams separate themselves then from where they are now? We've got your answers, so stay tuned, sit tight. It's a bowl full of chips, Big Ten West Division Preview, tonight. Bip, and we'll start with you. Who is taking the crown in the five deep Big Ten West this year? Now, after taking a deeper dive into uh, schedules and making my picks, I'm, I'm switching it up a little bit from our podcast last week and when I had uh, Minnesota and uh, Nebraska God. as my top two. <laughs> However, I'm not deviating from the Golden Gophers. I am oh. keeping them as my number one team in the West. And I have I'm them finishing... <laughs> I'm gonna. I've, I have them finishing nine and three overall, six and three in the West, which tells you how much parity there's going to be in that division this year, as everyone knows. Right. So, breaking right. it down, Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman make up one of the most dangerous wide receiver uh, duos in the Big Ten. I think they have uh, another couple big seasons this year. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim averaged five point seven yards per carry last year, en route to. Over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns um, for the Gophers last year. He's actually going to be joined by two returning starters who missed most or all of last year with injury and Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks, giving the Gophers one of the deepest running backs, uh, running back groups in all of the Big Ten this year. So the running game should be on par, and that passing game could be 
um, as well, depending on who wins that quarterback battle between Zach Onikstad and uh, Tanner Morgan and how they uh, improve from last year as they both had their highs and lows. But I think that whoever comes out on top of that quarterback competition I think that the competition makes them a little stronger. I think having an, an additional year of experience brings them uh, into this year, and having Johnson and Bateman to throw to certainly doesn't hurt. Um, the Gophers have to return, or they return three offensive linemen, but they do have to replace their starting left tackle, Donnell Green. Um, this is going to be a young offensive line who could be cr- progressively getting better throughout the season, so could really start hitting their stride towards the middle to late part of the season. Defensively, the Gophers get back Antoine Winfield from injury and return the majority of each of their uh, three levels. They're going to rely heavily this year on Carter Coughlin to pick up where he left off last year when he had five and a half sacks and 15 tackles for loss due to the fact that they lose Blake Cashman's production at linebacker. They bring in Notre Dame transfer Micah Treadway at defensive tackle, and he should help up front for the Gophers. I think they're going to be very young again this year and set up nicely for 2020, but Minnesota won four games last year by 20 points. They also lost three games, but uh, lost three games by 20 points and lost an additional two games by 15 points. So I think if they can play more consistently good football, I see them coming out of the West with the way that that schedule shakes up. So they miss playing Michigan state, Michigan and Ohio state out of the East. They get Nebraska, Penn state and Wisconsin all at home. Their road games are at Purdue and Rutgers and should see the Gophers as favorites in each. And What's really going to make or break their season is the gauntlet that they have in November. They start things off at home against Penn State. They then travel to Iowa, to Northwestern, and finish the year with their rivalry game at home against Wisconsin. I think that they split their November games, go 2-2, two and two, and their, um, their only other loss during the season is going to be at Purdue. So I have them losing at Iowa, at Northwestern, and at Purdue but that should be good enough in my opinion for them to finish six and three in the big 10 and uh, finish number one overall, having beaten Wisconsin at home in the last game of the season. Interesting. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to touch on Minnesota, but I have them finishing fifth in the big 10 West Yikes! going eight, eight and four and five and four. Now keep in mind, uh, go for fans, green assault. I have them finishing with more wins than two teams ahead of them overall, but I have, four teams finishing at five and four in the big 10 West. So going, and I had to look at the big 10 website and look at the tiebreakers and went down to like the fourth or fifth tiebreaker to figure out how these teams would actually finish in the standing. So I do have Minnesota fifth. I just don't see that they are ready for uh, a championship yet. I just don't see them as a championship level Mm -hmm. team. Now PJ Fleck talked all last year about how young they were. And at media days, he talked about, we're the second most or we're the second youngest team in the country. So that excuse is, is worn thin on me. There are a lot of teams who have proven that you can win with young talent. Just right. Look at uh, Clemson. But, um, you know, it's just uh, I, I don't see them there yet. Um, they they've got very good skill positions on offense. I like Tanner Morgan better than I like Zach Anikston. I was just more impressed at how he finished the year last year. And I, I know that Anikstead got hurt and, you know, I'm not taking that away from him, but sometimes you got to ride the hot hand. And I think that Morgan has the hot hand. He just seems like a more, a better overall quarterback, especially in the passing game. Um, you know, 
But if you look at the numbers, these two guys together were great. Or I'm sorry, they were not great. Their numbers weren't that great. They combined for 54% completion percentage and an 18 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio. That's yeah. not that good. No. Um, they're, I'm not sold on their offensive line. Like you said, they, they, they have to replace two guys. And everybody talks about the mountain of a man and Daniel Falele at right tackle. And he's a big dude, but uh, he just doesn't have the footwork just yet. And, um, you know, they had to move Connor Olson over from guard to center. So um, that's that's a very intriguing position. If he can take the reins right away and, and gives you a, a good leader at that middle position, then that's good. But if he's still got some growing pains early on, um, I mean, that's that's obviously the most important position on that offensive line. I think even more so than the blindside tackle. Yeah, he, uh, he's one of those offensive linemen to where you say it's hard to move a mountain, but it's hard for the mountain to move as well. So yeah, right. like you said, if he can't, uh, if he struggles somewhat this year, they could be hurting because they're obviously going to be looking for that fill in at the left tackle spot as well. Right, right. So defensively, they were just mediocre last year. I like Joe Rossi coming in. So they were really bad defensively in their first eight games and they got better. I don't want to call them good necessarily on defense, but they got better in their last four games. They, you know, again, I like Joe Rossi, but it's a small sample size. I mean, you really can't go off of just four games, especially when one of them was against a triple option team. So, and it was a bowl game and and Georgia tech was just kind of a mess toward the end of last season. Mm -hmm. I do like their secondary. I think it's maybe one of the more underrated ones in the country. Terrell Smith, Chris Williamson, Coney Durr, Antoine Winfield, um, Jordan Howden. I mean, these are guys that they really go about eight deep in that secondary, and that's truly going to help them in a uh, a more pass-happy Big Ten this year. They're athletic on defense, but not overly physical on the defensive line. And again, when you start with you know championship-level teams, two marks that almost all championship teams have are a great O-line and a great D-line. They're athletic on their defensive line, but I just don't see them as you know, run stoppers. I don't see them as world eaters, especially in the middle there. I, I like the addition of do Treadway, but again, he's not necessarily uh, a badass one or three technique. That's just going to dominate games. I mean, their biggest losses last year were guys like um, OJ Smith, Gary Moore. Uh, they, they lose three defensive tackles that they really could use this season. So um, special right, teams and, are pretty, I'm and, sorry, go ahead. And Duke Treadway's got some talent, but Notre Dame is kind of thin at defensive tackle for depth this year. So there's a reason as to why he was allowed to transfer to Minnesota. So yeah, um, right. good addition for the Gophers, but we'll see how how talented he is for that uh, starting front four. Well, and and also Notre Dame is kind of and correct me if I'm wrong if you think I'm wrong, but they're more notorious for recruiting more athletic defensive linemen, not necessarily like the Alabama, you know, big hunking, uh, right? You know world-class defensive tackles. So good defensive tackles, but not necessarily that, you know, that big eater in the middle. So exactly. Um, and, and I agree with you. Minnesota schedule is, I, I think that people who are high on them, it's, it's really two things. It's returning production. They return a lot of players on both sides and on special teams and then it's schedule. So on the front half of the schedule, it's about as easy as you can get. And I know people are like, Bruh? They have to play at Fresno State, and they have to play Georgia Southern. Well, Georgia Southern's a Sun Belt team coming out to TCF Bank Stadium, where Minnesota has been near flawless in the in the non-conference record. Fresno State's going to take a step down this year. They're not going to be nearly as good as they were the last two seasons, even under Jeff Tedford. Um, but then they have to play at Purdue, Illinois at home, Nebraska at home. I think they lose to Nebraska. They win at Rutgers. They win at Maryland. So I think they start off 7-1. and one. I'm sorry, they play Maryland at home. 
But then I think they dropped their last four games home against Penn State, wow. where Penn State's off a bye. I think they lose at Kinnick Stadium against Iowa. They lose at Northwestern, which is a place that they haven't played well at in years. And then they lose the axe to Wisconsin because that's a game that the Badgers are going to want to make sure that they get back this year. And even though it's played at Minnesota, I think that that's going to be a close game, maybe an overtime type game where the Badgers and Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, get the get the last laugh in the end. So I like them again to finish eight and four overall, but five and four overall in the Big Ten. Yep. Okay, so, Chappie, so who's my, your number one then? My number one is the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and okay. for the same reasons why I think that you and others picked Minnesota, you could make the argument I'm picking Nebraska in the same fashion. So. Mm-hmm. They return a good amount of players coming back, not as much as Minnesota, but this is also an easy pick because of their schedule. But here's why I like Nebraska to come out on top. I have them nine and four, six and three in the Big Ten uh, overall, which is going to be a one game advantage over the other four teams I have finishing five and four in the conference. So with Nebraska, their offense is going to be explosive. They could be in the top three to five nationally in offensive production in terms of total offense, passing offense. Um, You know, a lot of people question their run production, but when Maurice Washington is there, he'll probably have to sit out a a few games for suspension, but he'll be back. Dedrick Mills comes in as a junior college transfer, and he was an all ACC freshman at Georgia tech. Jalen Bradley has, has been getting some, some good recognition uh, in that backfield. And then Wandale Robinson is a guy who they're going to use kind of like LaMichael James was used at Oregon when Scott Frost was there. Uh, just a, you know, a guy who can, um, you know, line up in the backfield. He can line up in the slot. He can come on jet sweeps and reverses kind of the, the Jack of all trades there. And I think that that's going to be, you know, beneficial for them. And, oh yeah, they've got a great quarterback with great feet as well. And Adrian Martinez. So, um, I really like Martinez as a legit Heisman contender. I think he might be the best Heisman contender that the Big Ten has. Um, they've got, you know, the offensive line is going to be better. They, you know, center Cam Jurgens was described as Scott Frost as the next Remington winner. And Dave Remington was a Nebraska graduate, but he's the mm-hmm. award nominee for the, um, or the namesake for the best center in the country. And Scott Frost said this last year when Jurgens was redshirting and said basically, um, we switched him too late because he started as a tight end, but then he switched to center. So he redshirted last year, and, and Frost is raving about him. Bo Wilson, Matt Farniak, Brendan James. I mean, this is a group that's going to be better than what we saw last year as they were getting adjusted into this Troy Walters, Scott Frost offensive system. Um, you know, also on offense, you know, their wide receivers and tight ends, I think, are very underappreciated jd spielman in my mind is he's the first guy i would pick to play wide receiver on my team if i was building an all big 10 team Cade warner is a solid uh possession type receiver physical receiver on the outside jack stole at tight end and then again wandell robinson can line up out there uh, mike williams was a junior college transfer last year kind of getting adjusted but uh you know he should step up and, and play better this year they get kind noah who's a transfer from cal who's a good slot receiver um, and, and you just know that in this style of offense, they're going to have receivers like UCF had where you just go so deep. And as long as you've got athletes who can catch the ball, which these guys can, and a quarterback like Adrian Martinez, who's cool in the pocket and can deliver to them, uh, you're, you're going to see some good things. Defensively is where a lot of people have question marks. I think they're going to be improved, especially on the defensive line. I talked about they bring in Tony Tuioti, who's a defensive line coach who comes over from Cal, and he's working with a good group. Ben Still. 
Carlos and Khalil Davis, and then also Darian Daniels, who transfers over from Oklahoma State, is, are going to form you know four guys who can play those three positions pretty well. Their linebackers, Muhammad Barry, Will Honus, Jojo Doman, those are going to be guys who at least one or two of them are going to be on some form of all Big Ten team because they're going to get back to this 3-4 style that Nebraska was used to running in the 90s, and I think we're going to see more athletic linebackers from the Cornhuskers. So they've got good depth there. And in the secondary is where most people are saying that they're going to be strongest. Lamar Jackson and DiCaprio Boodle form one of the better cornerback tandems in the Big Ten West. And there's a lot of positive buzz about their safeties, especially some of their incoming freshmen. So don't be surprised to see a couple redshirt or true freshmen playing at the safety position. But it's not because of lack of depth. It's going to be because of talent. Um, You know, names that are mentioned are, uh, you know, uh, the, the guys escaping my name. Um, but I'll get back to that. Oh, Miles Farmer is a guy, um, you know, so they're going to have some talent in that, in that back end there. Special teams are improved. Barrett Pickering is going to be an all big 10 type place kicker. Isaac Armstrong stepped in and, and basically, uh, took over the punting job halfway through the year last year. And Wandell Robinson, uh, JD Spielman are going to be in the return game. Maurice Washington, when he's on the field and playing. And like I said, their schedule sets up well. So they start off pretty easy. Their their toughest games, Ohio State, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Iowa all come to Lincoln. You know, they have to play out at Minnesota, but I think that's a game that they win head-to-head. I like Scott Frost over P.J. Fleck at this point. Uh, you know, so they really don't get tested in the schedule. I don't think that it's going to be, you know, a clear cut. They're just going to cruise to the to Indianapolis. But again, I like them going nine and four, six and three on that schedule. Their losses, BIP, I think, come against Ohio State when both teams are undefeated on September 21st. And then they don't lose again until they play Wisconsin at home and then at Maryland. I think that that's a slip-up game. Uh, I know people right now are saying, what are you talking about? How can you pick Nebraska to win the West but lose at Maryland? I think that that's a game. It's sandwiched between Wisconsin and Iowa, two games that the Huskers have to win in order to go to Indianapolis. So as long as they put their focus on Wisconsin and Iowa – they can afford to lose against Maryland if they take care of business on the front end, which I think that they do. So Nebraska is my number one BIP, nine and four, six and three in the Big Ten West. So let's go to your number two. Who's number two in the Big Ten West for you? Well, uh, let me uh, touch upon uh, Nebraska real oh. quick as I have them yeah, uh, number three um, in my standings. And I, I, similar to you, I like how their schedule lines up this year getting their toughest, their hardest opponents all at home. And then they avoid Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan uh, on the schedule this year. Um, but I do have them going 8-4 and four overall, 5-4 and four in the Big Ten. I have them losing to Ohio State, um, and I have them losing at Minnesota, um, which is going to be a tough stretch for the Cornhuskers as they're home against Ohio State and Northwestern to very physical teams that I think that it'll take their toll and then have to travel to Minnesota to play. And then I have them losing two out of their last three at home against Wisconsin and at home against Iowa to round out the season. Um, I'm really liking their uh, group of receivers. Like you mentioned, JD Spielman, Cade Warner, um, Adrian Martinez. I think he'll be first team all big 10 at quarterback this year. I really like DiCaprio Boodle. I think he'll be first team all Big Ten this year. Had 15 pass breakups last year. Lamar Jackson added seven pass breakups himself, two picks. Um, but in looking at last year, I don't know if if I'm buying in as much to that drastic of an improvement. 
um, and in the year two uh, of the Scott Frost regime, I think they'll be definitely an improved team. And they did lose five close games last year. But if you spin it to the other side, their only good wins last year were against a Minnesota team that was in the middle of their tailspin to start off the season. And then a nine to six win over a Michigan State team that couldn't find points in a room full of needles. So in in thinking about how much better and I don't consider either of those good wins to be honest but yeah so uh but in in looking at their wins from last year those were the best ones that they had sure. um sure. so do I think that they are uh that much improved from last year to this year I think considerably um on on defense they could make some strides and I think that offense is going to continue to improve but I think that uh there's just it, it it's one year away considering everything that they have on this team so I have them falling to five and four in the Big Ten West er, in the Big Ten and finishing third in the West um okay but we'll go to uh my number two team and I'm going to go with the Wisconsin Badgers and <laughs> The number one reason why I have Wisconsin at this is going to be their running back, Jonathan Taylor. I think that he continues his run of success. Now he's had some fumble issues um, recently, but rushed for over 2,100 yards last year, just missed 2,000 yards in his freshman year. And maybe more impressive last year, he averaged 7.1 yards per carry. Um, So Wisconsin additionally returns their four top pass catchers. Um, this offensive line loses four starters from last year. So that's going to be a concern, but I, I think that, uh, if any team can bounce back from that, the, uh, Badgers are set up for it with the talent that they have on that offensive line and the coaching staff that they have surrounding it. My biggest question for this offense is going to be at quarterback where it's going to be either Jack Cohn or true freshman Graham Mertz in either event. I don't trust the quarterback play similar to last year. Um, so that will, that should be, um, a sore spot for them again this year. Defensively, I think that they bounce back from last year's disappointing showing. And I think that they get more into form of what Wisconsin has been the past several years. Um, now they do lose, uh, a decent amount on that front seven as they lose, um, top tacklers, TJ Edwards and Ryan Connolly and top sack producer, Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, but Zach Bond played pretty well for them last year. And Z- and uh, fr- uh, Richard freshman linebacker Jack Sanborn has a lot of people talking in Madison and excited about his potential. They returned three starters in the secondary and eight of their top 10, including Rashad Wild Goose and Scott Nelson, who combined for 13 passes broken up last year. And Nelson is the Badgers leading returning tackler uh, at that safety position. So um a disappointing season last year for the Badgers. I think that they're going to um, have a sneaky opener at uh, USF as South Florida un- also underachieved last year. And I find it difficult for any Charlie Strong led team for a team to to, to go in there um, during the season opener and have, um, you know, come out unscathed. So watch out for that one for the Badgers. But I see them winning their first five games of the year. Um, and then as they, uh, get into the meat of the big 10 schedule, I have them losing against Michigan state at Ohio state and at Minnesota. So they finished for me nine and three overall six and three in the big 10. Yep. We agree. I, I have them at second as well. I have them eight and four. So I have them losing one more game than you do. Um, Wisconsin to me is, you know, this is very scary for me not to pick them at the top. And here's why Paul Christ, since he took over in 2015 has won 10 games, 11 games, 
13 games, and then he slipped to win eight games last year. I mean, you look at a school like Minnesota, they had to struggle and scratch and claw to win seven games a year ago. Mm-hmm. Paul Christ had, by many standards for Wisconsinians and Badger fans, a bad year last year, and bad was an 8-5 and five season with a bowl victory over Miami. So, you know, I agree. Jonathan Taylor is where it starts, especially on offense, and especially because they're breaking in a quote-unquote new quarterback. Now, I think that Jack Cohn will start the year because he is the incumbent. He's the guy that's got experience, and I think that it's going to help ease Graham Mertz into the position. I think it's it could be very similar to when, I can't remember who the starting quarterback was at the time, but when Brooke Bollinger came in about game three or game four for Wisconsin and led a comeback victory against, yes, Michigan, uh, and <laughs> basically never gave up the seat and led them to a Rose Bowl that year. So I think that that could be what we see with Graham Mertz this year. I, I, I don't know that it would be great unless he's just lighting the world on fire in in practice and in camp in the fall if he starts game one but i right. think that jack Cohn is, is certainly a kind of a good general and he just seems like a leader like jack Cohn is one of those guys who we probably will see be an offensive coach or a head coach someday uh, when all said and done but yeah jonathan taylor i mean the guy has i think i saw a stat that he is uh has the most yards in his first two seasons behind only Herschel Walker and um, Barry Sanders, maybe. I'm not sure, but uh, it was pretty good company anyway for for their first two seasons. Uh, the This is going to be one of the more underrated group of receivers in the country. So, um, you know, they return their top five pass catchers, and not a lot of people are talking about Wisconsin's passing game because of Jonathan Taylor, and, and I get it, but, um, you know, they're going to team up to have the best run game in the Big Ten. And he was actually, Taylor at Big Ten Media Days was talking about Bradrick, Bradrick Shaw as, you know, he says, you're going to see him return to form this year. And Wisconsin has always been good with a good backup running back. So Taylor's going to be the the power. Shaw's going to come in and and kind of be the, uh, you know, the the pepper to uh, Taylor Salt. And, um, you know, he took a red, medical redshirt last year. He's healthy. And don't sleep on Garrett Groshek either. He was one of my favorite Big Ten players to watch, both running and receiving the football last year out of the backfield. Wisconsin's always going to have a, a good offensive line. They lost four guys from last year's team, but when you bring back Tyler Biotish as, as the leader of that offensive group, that's a good guy to rally around. He's your center, so that's in a very important position to be returning at. And a lot of those guys, like Big Kurt talked on, on our last podcast, their experience, they've got the snaps. So Wisconsin will be just fine on offense if they can solidify that quarterback. On defense, they were medium to good last year. They do lose four of their top five tacklers from last season, but they did have one of the more underrated linebacking cores in the Big Ten. You touched on Sanborn. Um, Leo Chanel is a guy that's been getting a lot of buzz. He's a uh, an incoming freshman. He was in for the spring. So he's going to be somebody who's not going to start necessarily, but will log some time and, and get some good snaps at linebacker. Christian Bell is an Alabama transfer. Zach Bond comes back. Chris Orr uh, was banged up a little bit last year. Injuries are really what hurt this team a season ago. And had they been healthy, I think that this was a, a Wisconsin team that certainly had the talent to win the West last year. And it really surprised me that they didn't. And it certainly surprised Corso. Nearly gave him a stroke. Oh, <laughs> um, they uh, Their sack numbers dropped last year. Uh, and it should be similar this year because I think their their front three, their, you know, their defensive line is going to be their relatively weakest position on the defense. But that's partially because, like I said, I like their linebackers. And their secondary is really good. Fayon Hicks, Rashad Wild Goose, and then Scott Nelson's the general at free safety back there. 
Not to mention Eric Burrell is a, is a good, strong safety coming back. You know, he started a few games a season ago. So I really like Wisconsin, but where they run into problems is their schedule, Bip. They have, I think, arguably the toughest schedule in the Big Ten. And I see them taking losses against Michigan in game number three, losses uh, or a loss against Michigan State at home, a loss out in Columbus to Ohio State, and then losing um, the, uh, the the final game against uh, Minnesota. And actually, I think I, I talking out of two sides of my mouth here. I think I picked uh, Minnesota to uh, to win. The, yeah, so Minnesota beating Wisconsin, but um, you know, uh, I think that the Badgers still have enough in the tank to, to get those, uh, you know, get the, the Gophers in the, in the standings. So eight and four overall five and four in the big 10 West and finishing number two in the, in the West there. But yeah. And I'm with you that that's a, a, a daunting schedule for them drawing both Ohio state and Michigan out of the East. And then having that mixed bag of, you don't know who's going to be great out of the West this year. Uh, so a lot of uncertainty with that Wisconsin schedule for sure. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just, uh, if I'm rolling the dice, if I have to blindly pick, I'm going to blindly pick Wisconsin. I, I'm going to stick with Nebraska, but sure. um, I think it's it's an easy flip between Nebraska and Wisconsin, really the winner of that that game. So, okay. Um, number three, I have Northwestern. And again, finishing five and four overall in the Big Ten, but I think they're tiebreakers. They're going to get the wins over the other teams that are also five and four in the West. I have them going seven and five overall, five and five, five and four um, in Big Ten play. They're going to have an underrated passing game, but a big contingency on that is will Hunter Johnson live up to his hype? I haven't heard a lot from Northwestern camps to say that, yeah, this guy is the real deal. I mean, he's got talent, but he hasn't been blowing people, uh, blowing their minds in the spring and whatnot. He's a tireless worker. He's a lot like Clayton Thorson in terms of his demeanor, his character, his work ethic. But, um, you know, keep in mind that he's working with a, a different skill set of receivers at Northwestern than he had at Clemson. And um, I think that it's going to be a, a deep group of receivers, probably the deepest group that they've had in quite some time, but uh, they have three new starters on the offensive line. Two of them are veterans though. And so sometimes it's better to, you know, bring in these guys who have been in the program. They're both uh, fourth year juniors in Gunnar Vogel and Nick Urban. So you know, that's that's the plus side of, of those guys coming in, starting on that offensive line. And what the other the third starter that's uh, going to be new this year is a redshirt freshman who coaches say was just too good to keep off the field. So um, and he's only a two star, but he's actually playing like one of the better offensive linemen, aside from Jared Thomas and Rayshon Slater, their two returning starters. Isaiah Bowser's at running back, but they need to have depth behind him because, you know, he's obviously one play away or a couple series away where he's, you know, rehabbing an injury or, or, you know, off the field. And John Moten is their backup, but he's kind of been MIA ever since his freshman year. So they have to get some depth behind him on the defensive side. This is where Northwestern's always got their bread and butter. And it starts with defensive coordinator, Mike Hankowitz. And with Pat Fitzgerald as your head coach, you know, he's a defensive minded guy. They're going to have a very good front seven depth at both defensive end and linebacker, Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher, their middle and uh, weak side linebackers were the top two tacklers in the Big Ten last year. Not returning, but top overall a year ago. So that's a plus for them coming back. Their secondary is young, but they have a lot of guys that got experience last year and kind of trial by fire. It was considered to be their weakness on defense last year, but hopefully that experience and the burns that they received 
have uh, healed and have turned into, uh, you know, tattoo-like scars, and, and they can show that with some prowess this season. Special teams, BIP, is going to be a big question for the Wildcats, especially at punter. Even their place kicking is, is not solid and secure. Um, they're going to have a competition there. And they really have been a passive team in the return game. Fitz even said that he would rather take a fair catch on kick returns and punt returns and set up and be safe as opposed to risk something or get injury or, you know, God forbid, a fumble or something like that. Put mm. yourself in bad field position. So um, I think that Northwestern, you know, they sadly for me as a as a wildcat backer, they don't repeat as West champs. And I think that their losses this year come to, uh, first of all, out of the gate, out at Palo Alto, losing to Stanford. Um then I think that they they lose at Wisconsin and at Nebraska back-to-back, and then they lose their Friday night game after a bye against Ohio State. They lose at Indiana in a game that many feel that they should lose, but again, Indiana's that sneaky team, and playing out in Bloomington, that's just a game that kind of scares me as a Wildcat fan. And then I think they end the season with four strong wins in great Northwestern fashion to where you're worried, are they going to make a bowl? And then they run off a streak of victories that um, puts them into a position where they, they can be successful. So I see them going 7-5, 5-4 and five, five and four in the Big Ten this year, but finishing third in the West. Well, I have them uh, f- as my number four team in the West there, Chappie. And pretty similar to you, uh, I have them going 8-4 and four overall, 5-4 and four in the Big Ten. I have them starting off 2-4, um, and four, uh, winning at Stanford. And then uh, against UNLV, but then losing the four in a row to Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Ohio State. But then snapping off their final six games, uh, all as wins, as that's more of the softer part of their schedule. Now, they do have Iowa uh, to begin that uh, potential win streak, but finish the season at Indiana and then against Purdue, Massachusetts, Minnesota, and then at Illinois. Um I know that Clayton Thorson's gone this year, but that actually could play a little better to what uh, Northwestern is built around due to the fact that Thorson was kind of turnover prone and was shown uh, in a couple games last year. But it is tough to replace his leadership and his experience. Um, but if, if Hunter Johnson is anything is everything that he could be, uh, that people thought he was going to be coming out of high school, you're looking at a guy that could have a potential much higher ceiling. We just don't know what his floor might be. So that's uh, a concerning point there. Isaiah Bowser, like you mentioned, burst onto the scene last year and was one of the key reasons why the Wildcats finished on the run that they did, but he did only average 4.4 yards per carry. And really 3.9 if you take away his game against Illinois, in which everyone ran on Illinois last year. So he's definitely a volume runner. So if he doesn't get his touches due to the fact that the game plan doesn't dictate so, if the Wildcats fall behind early, how effective is he he going to be this year? Um, And then depth, as you mentioned, is a concern at running back as well. That defense should be just as good as it was last year. Returning Gallagher and Fisher is going to be huge for them. Joe Gaziano is one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the whole country. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and uh, that gets no love. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, and I think what what hurts him too is the fact that he does play defensive end in the Big Ten, who has the yeah. the biggest depth and wealth of talent at that position in the entire country. Um, right. But uh, those in Evanston know how good he is. Um, but. Also concerning for me is the the offense finished only 59th in the country in passing yards per game last year. Not only do they lose Thorson, but they lose 
their top two receiving options in uh, super back Cameron Green and then receiver Flynn Nagel, which Flynn Nagel last year, I think he only had one or two touchdowns, but he was seemingly always showing up in big moments for the Wildcats. So how do they come back when they don't have their go-to quarterback or wide receiver this year um, is a big concern for me. I have, um, I, I think that, that Fitzgerald and that defense does have them rounding out into form to finish third in the, in the West, or I'm sorry, fourth in the West. Um, but I think in, in typical recent Northwestern fashion, they start off slow and finish the season on a high note. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the thing that Northwestern always has going for them is they, they're going to keep the games about as close as you can. And it's just their style of play. Mm -hmm. And it, it bores a lot of people outside of Evanston, but there really is a beauty to it, and there's a, a method to that madness. And again, when you look at the the type of athletes that they are limited to, and it's not to disparage anybody who wears a, a purple and white uniform, but they know it, they get it, and it's like, okay, you've got to work with what you've got. And I think that Pat Fitzgerald does that better than anybody. And that's why, you know, recently this summer we've seen, you know, polls and rankings for the top coaches in the Big Ten. And Fitzgerald has been there at least in the top three in almost every poll bit. And I think that, you know, that's good to see him get his due. Yeah. And there's no better example of Northwestern football than their bowl game last year against Utah. I mean, what, a, what an amazing yeah. uh, comeback that was. And I would always prefer to, to watch a team that uh, has a lot of those, uh, you know, cardiac victories compared to a team that just blows oh, yeah. out teams week after week to where you turn it off right. after the first quarter. So, yeah, Chappie, how many people outside of Tuscaloosa really like watching Alabama paste everybody? Yeah, like uh, the Citadel. Play. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Chappie, who do you so have coming in fourth in the West? Okay, well, now Jeffrey the Greek can turn his uh, radio back on and he can uh, he can listen and, and love this or or hate us for not picking him first. But <laughs> I'm going to go with the Iowa Hawkeyes at seven and five, five and four, which is an identical record to the Northwestern Wildcats. But I do have Northwestern beating Iowa for the fourth straight year, Mr. Greek. Um, so here's what I think about Iowa. Kirk Ferentz, it's hard to doubt him, but they have been a little bit off of their norm the last uh, few years. And I guess maybe not their norm because Iowa is typically good for second or third in the Big Ten West, you know, and every fourth or fifth year or so, you know, they'll they'll surprise people and win the West. I don't think this is the year for them, though. They've got a good quarterback in Nate Stanley, and a lot of people point to the fact that he's a three-year starter. However, the last time that they had a three-year starter or a, a starter who started uh, you know, his third season, C.J. Beathard, and a lot was expected out of him, and they kind of um, you know, they kind of pooped the bed in 2016 when that happened. So um, I, I do like Nate Stanley, and I, I like what he does. I, I, he's a very admirable quarterback. They've got a they've got a really good offensive line. Not only the two tackles, Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson, but Tyler Linderbaum could buy for freshman of the year in the Big Ten this year as a center. Uh, people say he's really that good. Um, question marks at skill positions, though. I'm not sold on their running backs. They've got three guys who are serviceable, led by Makai Sargent. You know, Torn Young and Ivory Kelly Martin are also guys that are, um, you know, get going to get the rock. But uh, you know, they've been pedestrian in the run game and in pass efficiency, throwing the football uh, wide receivers. You know, we talked about how they lost uh, easily and they lost their two tight ends, but you know, I, I do like Amir Smith, Marset and Brandon Smith. And there's been a lot of buzz about guys like Nico Regani and uh, Tyrone Tracy, who 
was considered to be one of the better athletes at wide receiver that they had last year. Max Cooper is a reliable, you know, your typical Iowa, uh, I'm going to say it, white guy who can run good <laughs> routes and make catches in traffic and just is a tough son of a gun. Uh, you know, Sean Beyer and Drew Cook are two guys at tight end who are going to be doing what Iowa tight end should do. But, you know, you get over to the defensive side of the ball and Phil Parker's a very good defensive coach. This is a, they've got good talent on the defensive side, but um, I'm not sold just yet on their defensive front as being that dominating defensive line that certainly they had last year or that you expect to see from a, um, a defense that's going to win the conference necessarily. So it starts with AJ Epinesa. And then they, you know, he's teamed up with Brady Reef, Cedric Lattimore, Chauncey Golston. But outside of Epinesa, again, those guys are serviceable, but um, they showed their weaknesses a year ago, um, you know, as a defensive unit. Um, their defensive backs, I think, are the best part of that defense, and they're very underrated, especially Michael Ojemudia, Matt Hankins. Uh, those two make up very good corners. Geno Stone is a guy who's expected to be the next in line as one of those great safeties, kind of like Amani Hooker was last year. And coaches are really high on Kayvon Merriweather at the free safety spot. And also DJ Johnson, a redshirt freshman, probably had the most positive buzz of anybody on the defense during the spring. But um, in talking to some insiders, it's kind of, uh, we'll see it when we believe it. You know, it's, it's one thing to get a lot of press about you, but when you put it together between the stripes on Saturdays in the fall, that's when we'll know. Linebackers are going to be okay. But, um, you know, if they can get an all Big Ten type year out of one of those guys, whether it's Jaimon Colbert, Christian Welch, um, you know, because they're going to kind of play more of that 4-2-5 system. Nick Neiman's another guy that is, um, you know, going to get some snaps at that in the middle spot there. So if one of those three guys can step up and be an all Big Ten, I mean like a first team all Big Ten linebacker, I think that's really going to change the tune of this defense. And maybe they can get that way with great play from their defensive line up front. Um, you know, you look at their schedule, Bip, and here's where it's tough for me to have as much confidence about Iowa winning the West. Um, it's a tough game at Iowa State, and I know that Hawkeye fans will say, well, we've owned that rivalry. Well, times are changing, and Matt Campbell is certainly making things a lot more difficult down in Ames, and I think that that's just going to be a game where um, both teams are going to have hype, and I think that there's just going to be a little bit more positive momentum on the side of Iowa State. Uh, and the Hawkeyes aren't as tested early on in the year. They start off with Miami of Ohio and Rutgers. Then after Iowa State, they get a bye, and they play Middle Tennessee State, who's going to come down from last year's Conference USA champion game. Then they have to play at Michigan, I think, is a loss. They have to play at Northwestern uh, two weeks later. I think that's a loss. They have to play at Wisconsin, I think, is a loss. And then they close the year at Nebraska, and that's a loss as well. I think that that's a game, you know, the Cornhuskers played it very close last year out in Kinnick. And I think that going to Lincoln, when that's essentially going to be a game that Nebraska, it's going to be a de facto Big Ten West championship game. And I think that the Huskers get it done, like I alluded to earlier. So again, I have Iowa at fourth in the Big Ten West, seven and five overall, five and four in the conference. Bip. Yep, Chappie, I have Iowa finishing fifth uh, in the conference and finishing seven and five overall, five and four in the Big Ten. Um, I have them losing at Iowa State as well. I have them losing against uh, or at Michigan, home against Penn State, losing at Northwestern, and then losing at Wisconsin. So going into this year, the the biggest strengths of the Hawkeyes are going to be on both sides of the line. Um, 
despite losing four defensive linemen from last year's squad, they do have two potential all big 10 um, uh, defensive ends in AJ Epinesa and Chauncey Colston. They combined for 26 and a half tackles for loss last year. Um, the, on the offensive line, uh, Alaric Jackson should should also compete for first team all Big Ten honors, and we know that uh, Iowa just produces not only tight ends but also offensive linemen as well. Um, so the the losses that they had along the offensive line, and then especially those two tight ends, could be made up for. But it's kind of more of the unknown that we have going into the season of outside of Golston and Epinesa. What do they look like in the in the middle of that defensive line? What does their depth look like? Um, they do lose their top four tacklers and their second best defensive end in Anthony Nelson, as well as having some uh, big losses in the secondary in Hooker and Gervais. Um, I'm not completely sold on Nathan Stanley. He's one of the better returning quarterbacks in the Big Ten, but again, there's not a whole lot returning at quarterback in the Big Ten. Last year, and I've mentioned this a few times before, they were 91st in yards per play last year, and they had a huge disparity between their yards per game and their points per game losing so much offensively. I think that that takes a step back and I think that their yards per game could stay around the 90 90th in the country ish is where they stood last year. But I think that points per game rank is going to drop way lower. Um, and, and that schedule doesn't set up nicely for them as they have road trips to Iowa state, Michigan, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Um, so, and, and, and additionally, the last year they did have uh, three games in which they combined for um, 12 points. They also beat um, they, they kind of only beat the, the worst teams that they played in the big 10. So uh, they beat Minnesota when the Gophers were in their midseason tailspin. They beat Indiana, they beat Maryland, they beat Illinois, and they beat a four win Nebraska team. Uh, granted, they they had an average of uh, margin of victory of just over 26 points per game in those contests. But until they can um, show that this team can beat the better teams in the Big Ten, I think that it's just too much for them uh, having lost from the 2018 squad going into 2019. And that Big Ten West is so much better this year compared to last year. I see them struggling getting past five wins in the Big Ten, which puts them at fifth for me. So then we can, you know, that goes through our five. Who do you have uh, at number six then, Bip? Number six, I have Purdue, Chappie. And um, I have the Boilermakers finishing five and seven, four and five in the conference. And this was one of the ones that was kind of tough for me. And it's almost like, you know, taking a Scantron test and process of elimination as I think that Purdue is going to be better than a five win team this year. Um, despite everything that they lost offensively, I think that they return a uh, uh, really a good amount uh, on defense, especially at uh, linebacker as they return uh, Marcus Bailey, who could be one of the better linebackers in the country. They get Ben Holt to transfer over from Western Kentucky and they also return Cornell Jones. So I think this group of linebackers could surprise a lot in the country um, around the country. The defense as a whole returns 12 of their top 14 tacklers from last year. Um, But offensively is where I have them falling short. Now, obviously they have Rondale Moore, but they do lose um, their quarterback, their top two running backs, their number two and three receivers and three offensive linemen. So that's a lot for any team to make up for, especially a team like Purdue, who again is in this very tough Big Ten West and I'm not sold on Elijah Sindelar as being the quarterback to step in and take this Purdue team past five overall wins or four Big Ten wins this year. 
Uh, throughout his career, he's only averaged 6.3 yards per attempt, and he's got a 20 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio. And last year in the two games in which he played, Sindelar, uh, the, the Boilermakers lost both of those games against Northwestern and Eastern Michigan, and he threw three picks against Northwestern. So um, not crazy about him being their starting quarterback going into the season, but Jeff Brom is a uh, quarterback guru, so we'll see what kind of magic he can work with him. Their uh, wins that they have in the Big Ten are against Minnesota, Maryland, Illinois, and then their last game against Indiana. And although they're four and five, that uh, finishes them sixth in the West this year for me, Chappie. Yeah, I, I have them six as well. Um, <clears throat> I have them going four and eight, two and seven in conference. And, you know, I, I again, I'm not sold on Elijah Sindelar. And I get a little hunch, uh, kind of reading between the lines, that Brom's not sold on it either because he mentioned three quarterbacks at Big Ten Media Days. You know, he talked about Sindelar, but he also talked about backup Jack Plummer, who to me looked pretty good this spring. And then Aiden O'Connell um, is the third, excuse me, the third string guy. But, you know, a lot of people are going to look at this team and just say, Rondell Moore, they're going to ride him. And, and he, you know, he was a freshman All-American last year. And so as long as you've got Rondell Moore, you know, they they kind of treat college football like uh, uh, an EA sports football game, you know, where <laughs> you can just uh, have one horse and ride it and, and you know, hit the joystick the right way and, and all will be good. But, yeah, I'm not, sold, I'm not sold on Cinderella. I'm really not sold on their run game because they don't have one. Um, you know, they've got a really good passing game. They've got three legit tight ends, and I expect them to take from Iowa's playbook and really utilize guys like Bryson Hopkins and uh, Payne Durham, who looked really good this uh, spring. And then also Darius Pittman's a good size tight end as well, 6'3", 250. I think that that's going to be, in addition to more, you know, a great complement to number four on the offense. But suspect run game, suspect offensive line. Um, defensively, that was, to me, their best part of their their team last year. and, and a very underappreciated and undervalued group, except for, you know, if you throw away the Auburn game, but um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, the defense is going to be questionable, especially at defensive line and in the secondary, but they do have what I consider to be a good amount of depth, you know, so they bring back a good amount of starters. They bring to the table, a good amount of starters. Carl Loftus is going to be a, a good addition as a yep. freshman on that defensive side. And we'll talk more about him shortly. Lorenzo Neal is a is a really good all Big Ten type nose guard. If he can keep himself under control and can play discipline this year, he caused a lot of problems and uh, single handedly, you know, helped lose a game for him last year. That was, I mean, it was his fault that they lost the Northwestern game at the end there because of a a stupid penalty. Um, Marcus Bailey is an all Big Ten linebacker. Cornell Jones and Derek Barnes are good when they can keep it under control, and they do bring in Ben Holt who was an all-conference USA linebacker at Western Kentucky last year. He's the son of Nick Holt, their defensive coordinator, one of the more fiery assistant coaches in the conference and in the country. Uh, but again, I think that there's questions in that secondary, and that's going to keep the Boilermakers out of that race in the Big Ten West. So again, I have them going 4-8. and eight. I think that their only wins are going to be at Nevada and against Vanderbilt at home, and those two games scare me as well. And then I think they they beat Maryland at home and they beat Illinois at home, but lose all the rest just because 
Uh, it's a tougher schedule, and, and the Big Ten's just going to be that good. Bit. Yeah, so, and, and I was going to mention that too. That non-conference schedule that they have is no joke, and at Nevada, it sounds like it, it should be a win, but Nevada was a much improved team last year. You're traveling to Nevada. It's the first game of the season, and then I have them losing against Vanderbilt and TCU, so they could start off 1-2, and two, worst case scenario, 0-3 oh as they enter Big Ten play this year. So really kind of a, if I'm a, a Boilermaker fan, that I'm not liking this um, this non-conference schedule that's set up for us going into the season. Right, right. Um, so then it's clear that we both have the Illinois yeah. Illini. I, I don't know if you can call them fighting. But, um, <laughs> well, uh, well they, they're, uh, they're much more fighting than, than the Rutgers Scarlet Knights uh, finishing in the, in the bottom of the West, I would say. <laughs> hey, leave Rutgers alone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that they will put up a fight and they, they certainly were helped by the transfer portal. Um, but big question at quarterback, is it going to be Brandon Peters, the transfer from Michigan? He hasn't had a lot of time with that system, so it's going to take him some time to develop. Or is it going to be incoming freshman Isaiah Williams, who's very undersized, only 5'10", 170, but he's a terrific athlete. They've got two pretty good running backs. Reggie Corbin is the headliner, but then um, Rayvon Bonner, and then also Mike Epstein throwing there as well. Uh, they're going to have a pretty good run game. The wide receivers are going to be an improvement this year. You would hope as an Illinois fan, Trevon Sidney comes in from USC. Uh, they had a lot of problems with drops last year. And um, I know that our friend, big Kurt could get more into depth than that, but he would have to have about six beers in front of him. Um, <laughs> you know, Illinois, they've, I like their offensive coordinator in Rod Smith. And you, you kind of wonder, is he going to stay at Illinois or is he going to be lured away somewhere else um, as, as time goes on? And, you know, that's contingent upon the fact that, you know, is Lovey Smith even going to be the head coach next year? So, yeah. um, you know, so a lot of concerns in the passing game defensively, they were bad and there's likely still going to be bad. And I think it's going to be even worse now that Lovey Smith is doubling as head coach and defensive coordinator. I can't think off the top of my head, any head coach who has doubled as a coordinator and their team has done consistently well. Bip. So I think that that's just going to be spreading himself too thin. Um, 17 of their top 20 defenders returned. But again, when you're bringing all those guys back from the Big Ten's worst defense, is that really saying a whole lot? I don't think so. Um, they do get a couple newcomers, especially from USC. But, um, you know, just because you've got talent on paper, there's also the chemistry factor. And, and there are a lot of internal problems with this program last year, Bip. So you kind of wonder, are they going to be good fits into the locker room? Or is it going to be more of the same where you've got a bunch of egos trying to mesh amidst a coach who's, you know, being rumored to be, this is his last year. He's in the chopping block. So um, I, uh, I, I see Illinois at five and seven and two and seven overall. Fortunately, they start off the gate with uh, very easy non-conference games against Akron, UConn and Eastern Michigan. But then they, uh, I think, I only think their wins after that are a steal against Wisconsin. I think that's going to be a, an upset win against the Badgers and then um, a win against Rutgers. And that's all I see for Illinois. Well, it is a home game against Akron that easy, Chappie? <laughs> well, <laughs> this year I'm going to say yes. So, Or or is a, a home game against Eastern Michigan that easy, Purdue fans? I was going to say, um, yeah, Purdue I, would beg to differ. I'm with you. I think that uh, Illinois um, wins uh, starts off 3-0 and against those non-conference opponents, UConn being one of the worst teams in the country. Um, but unfortunately for Illinois fans, I have them finishing four and eight overall one and eight in the conference with their lone win against Rutgers. I really like Reggie Corbin and that rushing attack, but 
This is similar to, I mean, this is essentially the Maryland of the West um, in the fact that they have so many unknowns. You have a lot of talent coming in, but you don't know how the pieces fit, if they're going to fit, what the locker room uh, is going to be like. And for a coach that, um, you know, like Lovey Smith, who could potentially be be fighting for his job this year, the the players could go one of two ways with that. They could rally around it or it could cause to uh, the locker room to be lost from Smith this year. So see how that dynamic plays out. They do return a lot on defense, like you mentioned, but again, um, you know, is returning a lot from a a porous defense, a a good thing, or is it much of the same from last year? It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like if you've got a uh, 40 year old roof and everything's rotted through and you're like, well, we still got all the, uh, all the plywood up there. We still got all the shingles. (laughs) Yeah, we'll make it year 41, no problem. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just don't see – I think that they're going to be one of those pesky teams in the Big Ten to where they have the offensive firepower, um, especially if they can get some uh, decent quarterback play this year. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to, to challenge the, the big dogs in the Big Ten much, but they'll be, they'll be hanging around mostly because of that offense. But – um, that defense has to be make leaps and bounds if they if they think that they're going to win any more than than four to five games this year. Well, so to recap, uh, in the East, BIP and I, or I'm sorry, BIP, I've got Ohio State one, Michigan two, Michigan State three, Penn State four, Maryland five, Indiana six, Rutgers seven. You want to run down your seven real quick in the East? Yep, I have Ohio State 1, Michigan 2, Michigan State 3, Penn State 4, Indiana 5, Maryland 6, Rutgers 7. Chappie's picks 1, Nebraska, 2, Wisconsin, 3, Northwestern, 4, Iowa, 5, Minnesota, 6, Purdue, 7, Illinois, with Michigan beating Nebraska in the Big Ten Championship. Yep, and I have Minnesota 1, Wisconsin 2, Nebraska 3, Northwestern 4, Iowa 5, Purdue 6, Illinois 7, and I have Ohio State knocking off Minnesota in the Big Ten Championship game. Okay, well, we're going to zip through the the remaining parts here. So Bip and I are just going to talk about our offensive, defensive players of the year, coach, you know, give some coaches some love and and talk about uh, a top freshman as well. So Bip, um, offensive player of the year for you, kind of speed round here. Who do you got? I got Jonathan Taylor. I think he goes over 2,000 yards again. Okay. I've got Adrian Martinez just because of his value and his his production. I think that he's going to probably run for about 500 yards this year. I think he'll throw for about 3,500. I think that the touchdowns, total touchdowns, could be um, in the 40s or maybe even close to 50 when all said and done. So he's my offensive player of the year. Defense. Who do you got defensively? I'm going to go Kenny Willekes, defensive end from Michigan mm. State. Uh, finished with eight sacks, 20 and a half uh, tackles for loss last year. More eye-popping, though, 78 tackles from that defensive end spot. I think he could increase his sack total. I think he could potentially increase his tackles for loss. And that defense is going to be the stingiest in the Big Ten this year. I think all of that combines into one nice package for Mr. Willickis to walk away with Defensive Player of the Year. Chappie, who you got? I've got Chase Young. And not only because, like I said, he's the most feared defender to me in the Big Ten, but he's a guy who's athletic enough to he could rack up, you know, 10-plus sacks, um, you know, 15 or so tackles for a loss. I could see him mm-hmm. causing a couple fumbles, but also taking, um, you know, batting a pass in the air, taking it down and, and, and returning it for a pick six or a scoop and score. Uh, he's just, you know, an, an, a, a 
dynamic athlete on defense. I can talk tonight. Uh, so yeah, I'm going <laughs> Chase Young on defense. Bit. Also won't hurt if he has that uh, that big moment like he did last year with that stuff on Penn State on uh, fourth down either. <laughs> How dare you, says Nittany Nation. <laughs> uh, who's your coach of the year in the Big Ten this year, Bip? I'm going to go with the undefeated Ryan Day, Chappie. Um, I think okay. he gets the job done this year. I think he does do a good enough job in uh, tutoring um, Justin Fields, and I think that defense is going to come around and be better than it was last year. Beating Harbaugh and then winning the Big Ten championship game, I'm going to give it to Ryan Day. Okay. Well, I'm going to make all Iowa fans puke and say Scott Frost. Um, and mainly, you know, that's contingent upon if they win the big 10 West and play in the big 10 championship, I think that the media and everybody else is going to look and say, Oh, they were basically second from the bottom in the West. And then they came back and won it this year. And, uh, you know, everybody was saying what the heck's going on in Lincoln. And then now they're, they're playing for a big 10 championship. I don't think that they're going to be as much of a media darling as, the media is making them out right now, but I think that it's going to be an easy give to Scott Frost if he could take the Huskers to Indianapolis this year. And I think you made a lot of Michigan fans puke as well. If you pick Michigan to win the Big Ten and Harbaugh doesn't get the uh, Coach of the Year award, Chappie. Yeah, well, um, I would puke if I had to listen to his acceptance speech. So uh, <laughs> what about uh, – sorry, Uncle Dave. Uh, what about assistant coach of the year? <laughs> who who do you think shines as having the most value as the assistant whistleblower this year? Bip? I'm going to go with, and this is kind of a partial answer, uh, whoever they would give it to between Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison. Uh, if the Buckeyes go undefeated, I think it's going to be in large part due to a big improvement uh, improvement with their defensive performance. And I think the combo of Halfley and Madison with all that defensive talent that they uh, have in Columbus will result in a big turnaround for Ohio State defensively this year uh, and have one of the better defenses in the country. So I'm going to give it to the combo of Halfley-Madison. Okay. And uh, honestly, I would think that Madison has a little bit more weight in that combination. Sure, and I figured that. Yeah, but uh, you know he would he would be the first to tell you that no, it's it's a it's a combination thing. But I'm going to go with Troy Walters, the offensive coordinator from Nebraska, just because I think that Nebraska is going to put up ridiculous numbers offensively this year. I think, like I said, that offensive line is better. Adrian Martinez is a Heisman candidate, and and he's a legit Heisman candidate. He's not just one of those magazine cover boys, you know. Um, so if he can stay healthy this year, then I think that he's a legit. He's just so cool in the pocket. Um, and a lot of people say, well, he's good on his feet. He would rather, if you actually watch him, he stays and he looks downfield with his eyes. He's not somebody who's going to quick and tuck and run and, and relies too much on his feet. So I think that given that Troy Walters is going to be the assistant coach of the year and Scott Frost might have to be looking for another offensive coordinator next year, because I think that Walters, he's a Stanford guy um, and, and somebody who's going to be a hot commodity when head coaching jobs open up. What about outstanding freshman, Bip? Who is a uh, first-year player that is going to be a, a big uh, asset to his team? I'm going to go with uh, George Karloftis from Purdue. I think the fact that the Boilermakers return the rest of their starting defensive line from last year, as well as having, in my opinion, maybe the best uh, linebacking core in the Big Ten, is really going to take the focus off of Karloftis, especially at the beginning of the season, really open him up to wreak havoc in the backfield. And at Big Ten Media Days, Jeff Brom called him the best defensive player this spring 
uh, for Purdue. So keep an eye on Carloftis, uh, the true freshman that was in for the spring. Yeah, keep in mind that they hit, they do have Marcus Bailey, who is an All Big Ten linebacker, and Carloftis, a freshman who has not played a snap in a regular season game, was called the best defensive player. So that's saying something. Uh, I'm yeah. going to go with Anthony Williams from Michigan State simply because if Michigan State beats either Michigan or Ohio State and um, gets themselves in a position where they're finishing second or even maybe first in the Big Ten East. I think it's going to be because, be because of a guy like Anthony Williams who uh, was drawing so much praise this spring and has just been a workhorse. And And D'Antonio is, is really smiling about this guy and kind of hoping that he stays under the radar, but we're going to expose him here on Bowl Full of Chips because he's going to be that good. And it was it was tough to go away from guys like Garrett Wilson or Wandale Robinson from Nebraska, and then even defensively Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. But um, Williams is going to be my guy, and, and, and I think, again, if Michigan State gets it back uh, to humming speed on offense this year, Williams will be a big part of it, Bip. For sure. Okay, well, uh, for those of you who stuck around, thank you very much for the last two hours of Chappie and the Bip here on the Big Ten Preview Edition of Bowl Full of Chips. But again, if you're a college football slappy even half as much as we are, then this was two hours that went by in 20 minutes. So that's big stuff, Bip. Uh, it'll be fun to watch these 14 play it out to two teams with one dream, and that's to make it to the college football playoff and represent the granddaddy of all conferences, the Big Ten. That's it. We gave you our goods, but we love to hear whether you thought it was good enough. Whether what, what other questions do you have for us in the college football world? Send us your stuff, and we'll try to answer them either online or live on air. If you tweet us at champion underscore lit or at BFC BIP, we may read it on our next podcast and digest how right you are. Thank you one more time for using your time wisely and listening to a bowl full of chips. And remember, when it comes to complete college football coverage, BFC brings football closer. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do and uh, let our podcast come right to your device. And that way you don't have to do any of the hard work. You can get the best growing college football podcast out there, bowl full of chips right to your device. On our next podcast, we'll break down and preview all 12 teams of the Big 12 Conference. Will Oklahoma continue to reign under Coach Riley? Or will a team from the Lone Star State prove that things really are bigger in Texas? Or will Mullet Mike Gundy get the last laugh? <laughs> you want to know who's going to come out on top? Who emerges and who discourages? Get those answers and much, much more on a bowl full of chips. We're off tackle. We've broken into the secondary. And we gone. See ya. See ya.